Good morning. So good to be together this morning. What a great group that we have in our first service this morning. I'm excited to see that. I want to welcome those who are joining us online as well today. Always glad that you are with us. If this is your first time or second time, I want to add my uh, welcome as well as on to Pastor Brandon's and Christie's. I'm so glad you're with us today. Glad that if you've been here 100,000 times, which is impossible, um, I'm glad that you're here as well. So good to be uh, together this morning. We're in a series called uh, Passion. It's the last of our, uh, the last week of a four-week series. It's okay if you miss the first three and they, they're kind of standalone messages, but they do kind of share about the things that we all get passionate about different things. And the song that we just sang is kind of where we're getting ready to head. And this is also Passion Week and it's Holy Week or Passion Week as you might, as it's often called, kind of interchangeable. Um, but I've been thinking about what we're getting ready to talk about today and I've been trying to think about the most passionate person that I can think of that I've ever known. And immediately I had many different faces cross my path and for many different reasons because we're passionate for a lot of different reasons about a lot of different things, right? Uh, but I was specifically thinking of someone that, that is just so passionate about Jesus and about people. And again, multiple people came to my mind, but one rose to the top and immediately went to the forefront of my brain and his name is Eric Eli. Eric Eli is the assistant, the, the assistant head coach of the women's basketball team for Oregon State University. Um, he's been that for off and on for about 11 years. He did have a couple years in Texas Tech, uh, but he's back. Kind of that's where, that's where he's coached the most. Eric was a guy that played um, at college basketball at Northwest Nazarene University, but then he went on for six or seven years and played in Europe and France and played professionally. Um, I honestly have not talked to Eric um, since the last time I've seen him and the last time I met him. It was back in the fourth grade. I was a little redheaded, uh, you know, freckle-faced, uh, obnoxious little boy. And I met Eric when he came to our church in Greeley, Colorado, doing a basketball camp for high school students in the area. And he was there all week long. He had this incredible passion that just oozed out Jesus. I mean, you'd ask him, what time is it? And he'd say, it's time to praise the Lord. And I would, I would often think to myself, um, I want to do that. And so I would try that at school. It didn't come off the same way. It just came off as weird. Uh, but Eric had this incredible, he just loved Jesus. He loved people, loved spending time with him. He was, a, he was his, 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 his stature was something of, that I aspired to be too. I mean, he was, he was just this handsome six foot six, six foot seven, uh, black, athletic, just super vibracious personality. And uh, we went to a skating rink, I believe, on that, that one week that he was there. We went to a skating rink. That was back when, you remember, he used to go to the skating rink on Friday nights or whatever, and he skated around. And, and no, no one does that anymore. But it was kind of cool back then. The kids are like, that's not cool anymore. But it was kind of cool. That's where everyone went on Friday night. And I was younger, and I wasn't really supposed to go, but because I knew Eric was going to be there, I kind of got to tag along with my sister and all the high schoolers in that community. Community. And uh, by the end of the night, 200, 300 kids, they all knew Eric Eli's name. They all knew who he was. I mean, he just loved on people and just, uh, and he exuberated a, a love for Christ. And uh, 
during that week that he was there, he was studying to be in education. So during the day, the, the, the camp was at night. During the day, for three days, he went to Meeker Elementary School, which was where I went to school for three days because he was teaching PE there and observing. I thought he was going there because I was special, and uh, I thought he was coming for me, but he was just, you know, doing his studies. He was there for three days, and on the, on the third day, Eric came up to me, and I just thought it was because he was coming to our church, and I would see him at school. I just thought we were like this. I thought we were best friends, and I just looked up to him, literally looked up to him in more than ways than one. And so you can imagine how excited what I was on day three that he came up to me and said, hey, after school, can I walk home with you? Uh, this little boy got all sorts of excited, and I just began to think, Eric's going to walk home with me. Now, it was about a two-mile walk, mile and a half, two-mile walk home. I could have rode the bus, but I could always beat the bus home. So I walked instead. I was so excited he was going to walk with me. And so I couldn't wait till school was out. When school got out, we started that walk. I don't know what was said. I probably talked the whole way. He probably regretted his decision. But we, we coming down a hill to, to our house at the bottom of this hill, at the, end, at the bottom of this park, at the end of that, as we were coming down that hill, I began to think, I don't want this to end. I don't want this to end. I don't want this to end. So I said, Eric what's your favorite kind of pie? And he said, banana cream. I said, oh, my mom makes the best banana cream pie. Would you, st would you stay around and eat banana cream pie with us? Oh, yeah, I'd love to. Well, I was just assuming that my mom was going to do this, and I, she was, is a good cook and a good baker. And so I got home. I said, Mom, I ran to the house. I said, hey, Eric's going to stay. I told him you'd make him uh, banana cream pie. And she goes, I don't have any bananas, so you and Eric are going to have to go to the store. So he, he got in our car. He drove it, took me to the store. He said, you're just getting bananas. I'm going to let you out. I'll pick you back right up here. I was so excited. I ran in there. I grabbed, you know, four or five bananas. I ran immediately. I did not, you know, pass go, did not collect $200. I went straight for the car. And I completely just lost my mind. I was so excited. I got to the car. I looked at Eric and I was like, oh no, I had a Macaulay Culkin or, you know, Kevin from Home Alone experience going, I'm a thief. You know, I've stolen. And I thought I was going to be arrested before. I didn't know how it worked. I thought I was going to be arrested before I got back. And so I, I ran back in, told the lady, I forgot to pay for these, paid for the bananas. Eric stayed at our home and we ate banana cream pie. And it was the best, one of the best weeks of my life. It really, it, it changed my life so much so I knew as a fourth grader what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be for the rest of my life when I grew up. When I grew up, I knew I wanted to be three things. I wanted to be tall and black. I wanted, I wanted to play professional basketball, at least college basketball, and I wanted to follow Jesus. Now, the, fir the first one we know was impossible. Uh, we now know that. The second one was very highly improbable. And the third, though, was likely impossible. And I don't think it's any mistake that as a fourth grader, uh, about a month later in the early summer, that I walked into my mom and dad's home and asked them in the middle of the night if they would pray with me because I wanted to give my life to Jesus Christ. And I don't think that was an accident that Eric was uh, a key. Yes, my family and my parents and my church and those things. But man, he's the most passionate follower of Jesus that I'd ever seen. And he was passionate about people. And I wanted to be like Eric. It's a week that changed my life. Today, 2,000 years ago, is not just a day that changed one life, but it changed the world. And it changed history. 
We celebrate that 2,000 years ago today was Palm Sunday, and on that day, Jesus uh, walked in, I mean, didn't walk in, he rode in as a triumphant king into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey, and he would triumph by the end of the, the week, the next Sunday, he would triumph uh, life over death, and we would experience this Holy Week or Passion Week, and he walked in in victory, but we know what the Passion Week, it wasn't all roses. In fact, it was a lot of thorns, literally thorns. And, and Thursday, we know that he was betrayed in the Last Supper, and Friday, we know that uh, we see the passion in Jesus. We see the passion in the way that um, he died for us on Friday. And this is what makes Passion Week so special and why I get so excited about it. The Nation, uh, National Today says this, Passion Week serves as a reminder to all Christians that anything is possible if you put God first. And that's what this Passion Series is about. It's about putting God first. It's about receiving Him as our Lord and Savior, but then when we put Him first in, in, our, in our prayer, when we put Him first in our praise and worship, when we put Him first in purity, and we talked about that last week, that purity isn't perfection, but purity is a, it's a singular focus. It is, it's this cup of water not being mixed with anything else. There's probably some impurities in there somewhere, but it's a single, has a single purpose and a single focus. And today we're talking about the passion for people. And, and because Jesus, uh, as, as great as Eric Eli was, no one had greater passion for people than Jesus himself. And that was no more on display and evident than on Good Friday when uh, he died for us. For God so loved the world. Oh, we just say that so many times. It rolls off our lips so easily that we lose sight of the meaning, the significance, how special this is. God so loved the world. Everyone all nationalities, all ethnicities, every single child, son, daughter, father, mother. He loves everyone. He loves the world. I, I thought about uh, the last Sunday that Eric Eli was with us at our church. My dad had him. He was the pastor. He had Eric come up. And I don't know if he shared the whole message. I don't remember. I just know that he invited all the children of the church to come up on the platform because he wanted to teach them this new song. And uh, he got us all up there, and he said, okay, I'm going to teach you this new song. It's, it's called Jesus Loves the Little Children, All the Children of the World. And we were like, we know that song. We've been singing that. We, we know that song. You know the song. It may, if, if you grew up in church, or even if you didn't, you may know this. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. See, some of you are singing it with me. You're, you're catching on. Not all of you caught on, but a few of you caught on. Well, we, we, we were like, we know that song. And Eric's like, no, 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 no. That's not how you sing it. That's, that's not the song. And we were all confused. And so he taught us how to sing the song. And from now on, I've always sung this song this way, Eric's way, ever since. He said, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Actually, he didn't say they're precious in his sight. He said, Jesus thinks they're out of sight. And so from that time on, that's how I sang, Jesus loves the little children of the world. And it reminds us today that Jesus loves everyone, that he loves everyone. That's why we sang that song growing up in church, because they wanted to teach us 
God loves everybody and everyone. Well, I want to tell you about uh, Zacchaeus today. Um, He's just one person. And who knows that when we read that Jesus, that God loves the world, that that's cool and that's great and it's wonderful. But how much even better is it when we realize that Jesus loves me? Another song we sang growing up, Jesus loves me, this I know. It's one thing, and and God loves the world, and He's a big God and can love everyone. But when He, when when we understand, when it becomes personal, and we're like, yeah, He loves the world, but you know what? He loves me. That's the story that we get from Zacchaeus. A another song that we learned growing up. You know, uh, Zacchaeus was a and a wee little man was he. He climbed up. Yeah, you got it. I mean, we don't have all of it anymore, obviously. But, you know, he was that wee little man. That's how we learned that song. But as familiar as you may be with the story of Zacchaeus, I hope we will see it from a different perspective today, the passion that Jesus had for people and the passion that Jesus has for you and the passion that Jesus has for me. It's so personal. And Zacchaeus, and found in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 4, Jesus entered Jericho. And I apologize this morning. I'm going to be drinking a lot more water uh, than normal. I've had a cold the last few days, and whatever the pharmacist gave me, it dried me like the Sahara Desert. And so my mouth's getting a little bit drier today than normal, so I apologize. Jesus entered Jericho. And was passing through, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. Let's just stop there for a moment. Chief tax collector, and you've, you've read, when you've read through the Gospels, you see oftentimes it talks about Jesus hung out with sinners and tax collectors because tax collectors had a, a category all to themselves. They were the worst. Uh, Zacchaeus would have been a Jew, which him collecting taxes for the Romans, the Roman government, would have made him a traitor. And it would have made him a traitor not just because he was accepting, uh, receiving taxes from the Roman government, but he was giving power and authority. They didn't care how much commission he charged on top of that for himself. They just cared that they got what that he was to collect for the Romans. But he could do whatever he wanted after that. And, and he was crooked. He was a thief. He took from the people. He was a traitor to his people. He took from that which was his own for his own self-benefit. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. So we're, we're talking, if Jesus could pick anybody out of the crowd, it's him. It's this guy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, thus the wee little man, because he was short, He could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and he climbed up a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. We learned something about Zacchaeus in this moment. He had lost all inhibition and lost all pride. A a Jewish man of his day was a dignified, you, you, you didn't, in Jewish culture, you didn't run like little children, certainly. You weren't running with the kids. And secondly, you weren't climbing up like a little kid into a tree. 
He had just kind of said, I don't care. I got to see this Jesus. I, I, so he, he just gave up his, uh, and you can understand this maybe in this way. We've probably all at some time in our life ran into someone that was famous, um, someone that, you know, everyone knows, uh, a celebrity. Uh, throughout my adult life at different times, um, I've run into a few celebrities. And I, I, I like seeing them from a distance, but I don't necessarily want to go meet them because I think it's kind of weird and creepy, you know, especially got a 50-year-old now, you know, wanting to see a 20-year-old, hey, give me your autograph. Well, I, I just find that a little bit odd and different. I mean, if you have kids with you, you can use them as an excuse and put them out there. But if, if, if you're just there, and so several times um, I got a chance to meet Roy Williams, but I wouldn't have met him if it wasn't for Heather. We were coming back from a honeymoon. He was on our same plane. I was like, she didn't know who. I said, that's Roy Williams. Who's that? That's the coach of the Kansas Jayhawks. And she's like, well, let's go meet him. And I was like, no, we're not going to meet him. We're just going to enjoy him. We're just going to look. He's just right, he's right over there. And she insists, and she went over, and I would not go with her, and she basically threw me into the bus, I think. I think she said something like, hey, he's, he really is a big fan of yours. He's too big of a chicken to come over and introduce himself to you. Uh, thankfully for Heather, from Heather, we have a Roy Williams autograph in our honeymoon book. Um, I think of when we were interviewing to, on our second interview to come to Hutchison, whether to be your pastor, um, we were in that process. And on the second interview, we were flying a plane that had uh, the rookie, Derek Carr of the evil Oakland Raiders. But Derek was this awesome, great Christian. So I was telling Heather about him. And I said, he's up there on the first class. He's up on the front row. She's like, oh, we got to meet him. I said, no, we don't got to meet him. Number one, he's a Raider. We don't care. Um, <laughs> But number two is, yeah, that's creepy. I'm old. We're not going to go up to him. She goes, we're going to meet him. We're going to meet him. I said, I'll tell you what. You can meet him if you want to. Just let me get off the plane first. I'm going to go to the bathroom, and then you do your meet, and then I'll come back. And that worked out perfectly. We did it that way. I'm so glad she wasn't on the plane with me when Mike Ditka was on the plane. He was scary. I didn't want her to definitely go up to him. Um, but this is the thing. He, as a child, with childlike faith, Jesus said these words, I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. We have to enter with childlike faith and childlike wonder. And, and for Zacchaeus, he gave up his dignity and he ran like a child and he climbed up in a tree like a child. He was curious like a child. And we have to have that curiosity. And if you're here today or if, or if you're watching online, and maybe you're not following Jesus or you're not sure about this God thing yet or this following him for your life, but you're curious. Let me just encourage you today. You're close. You're close. If you're curious, you're close because you have to have a curiosity. You have to have a childlike wonderment to come to Christ. We have to have a childlike faith to come to, to, come to him. If you're curious, you're not far because here's the deal. Pride is what keeps us from coming to Jesus. Pride is what keeps so-called successful people from coming to Jesus. We have to come to him as a child. So when Jesus reached the spot or he reached the tree where Zacchaeus was, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. You ever wondered how he knew his name? It's one of two options in my mind. One is he was the chief tax collector. Now, I don't know who the Secretary of the Treasurer is, but there's probably a few of you nerds in here that would know that. But most of us don't know who the Secretary of the Treasurer is. But maybe in a smaller community, they knew who the, 
you know, the mayor was. They knew who the chief tax collector because they had to face this guy to collect taxes. Maybe that was the reason. But I, I think more so, and probably a lot of us believe like things that we've seen in Scripture when they said that Jesus knew what they were thinking and he knew their thoughts before they said them or before they even said them at all. Jesus knew their thoughts. So the other option is this, is Jesus is not only fully man, but he is fully God. And being fully God, he knows Zacchaeus' name as he knows your name and your name and your name and my name. He knew him. And Zacchaeus thought he was going there to see Jesus and get a glimpse of Jesus. He couldn't have been more wrong. Jesus knew he was going to be there, and Jesus knew there was going to be a divine appointment. There was a divine appointment. This was planned out. He was, Jesus knew what he was. It wasn't, wasn't an accident that Zacchaeus was there. And friends, I believe that you're here today, or you're watching online. I don't believe it's an accident that you're here. I believe that God is trying to reach every one of us. And I believe that in, in Zacchaeus' case, he, he knew. And so the first thing was Zacchaeus come down immediately. He, he knew him because he was God. And he said, I must go to your house today. Jesus went to his home. And, and it's probably a good thing for us and we've been saying invite people for Easter, invite people to church, and we want you to do that. You should invite, whether you've had little interaction or a lot of interaction, please, by all means, invite people to, to come to church next week for a great day. But the reality is, Jesus gives us a good example that we need to enter their world first. We need to enter on their terms first. And when, when, he, went, when he went to his home, he was saying, I'm coming to your territory. I'm joining in your, your place. I'm going to come to your work or I'm going to come to your home or I'm going to come to your neighborhood or we're, we're going to go to the same ball fields. We're going to, we're going to, I'm going to come to where you are. I'm going to start with where you are at, not where I want you to be. And he starts there and he goes to his home. And so he came down and he, at once he welcomed him gladly. I am uh, thankful I'm thankful for this joyous book that Luke wrote. All throughout, gladly is another word for rejoice. It's another word for joy. And all through the book of the gospel of Luke, from the very beginning uh, when uh, Luke uh, talked about the angels pronouncing glory to God in the highest peace on earth, and he joyfully announced the, the, there's joy all throughout the book of Luke. And this is just another example of the joy all the people, they saw this. It was a big crowd. All those people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to, the, said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today, Salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. The people knew, Jesus knew, Zacchaeus knew in the Jewish culture, when you went to someone's home, you were saying, I, I accept you. I accept you. It was, a, it was a statement of acceptance. 
and for the Jewish culture and for them to be called to be holy and be separate, for what that meant for them at the time is they were to be separate from the Gentiles, certainly, but separate from the Jewish traders and separate from the sinners and tax collectors. They were to separate themselves, and Jesus was in his home, and that signaled to them, he accepts him, which I'm so thankful that's the good news. Jesus accepts sinners, or we would have no framework or groundwork or place to start if he didn't start meeting us where we were. Zacchaeus knows immediately, he knows what they're thinking. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. He knew what they were thinking. He knows, and I believe this is the place where Zacchaeus is confronted. When you, when he met Jesus, a perfect, holy man for him, but perfect, holy God, When he met Jesus and encountered Jesus, he saw himself clearly. And when we see Jesus clearly for who he is, we see ourselves clearly, clearly, that we're sinners, that that we've all fallen short of God's glory, that, that we're in need of a Savior. And in that moment, I believe that encounter that Zacchaeus had with Jesus, he saw himself clearly. And he knew he was a sinner. And he knew, he knew what everyone was thinking. And he even thought he knew what Jesus was thinking. And so, he said this, look, Lord, here and now. Not tomorrow, not next week, not three months from now, I'll save up or whatever. Here and now. I I believe that was instant repentance. That was a change of heart. He had completely said, I, I, and that change was marked by what, his behavior was. Giving to the poor, giving four times back, uh, giving doesn't save anybody. Uh, Doing good deeds doesn't save anybody. You can't earn salvation. You can't give enough to the church. You can't do enough good deeds in your community. There's nothing we can do to earn God's love and God's favor. And, And so this wasn't him earning God's favor. This was because he had God's favor, because he'd received salvation. So when Jesus said, today, uh, salvation has come to your home, he, he knew that. He knew that Jesus had come to him and he was repenting. And this wasn't him earning salvation, but this was him out of great gratitude saying, here and now, I'm so happy. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. I'm so glad to meet you. I'm so glad you've come into my home and into my life. I'm so happy about that, that I'm just right now, I'm making a change. I'm not waiting till tomorrow. I'm not waiting till another day. Here and now, I change. And the mark of change is behavior. We're going to change. When we come to Jesus, we're, we're meant to go a different direction. We're meant to give up certain things. We're meant to walk, as we talked about last week, towards not a perfect life, but a pure life, a life devoted to Jesus. And here and now, he said, I'm changing today. I'm going to be transformed today. God's, I accept you today. I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Zacchaeus being a, a Jew that would have grown up with the Torah, the five, first five books of the Bible, he would have known that backwards and forward. He would have known the law of Moses. He would have known all the 600 and something laws. He would have known what the penalty was for stealing. And the penalty for stealing was to pay everything back that you owed plus one-fifth of what the value of it was. 
everything that you owe plus one-fifth of the value. And, and Zacchaeus is like, I, I'm not just going to pay what is expected of me, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay not one time, not two times, not three times, but, not, but four times. I'm paying that back, and I'm, half of what I have I'm giving to the poor, not because I have to, not because it says to tithe, not because it says that you have to do this or you're required. He goes, I don't care what I'm required to do. I'm just so grateful Jesus has come into my life. He's forgiven me of my sins, and I'm starting this new life. And today, I, I don't care about all these things I cared about before. And it reminds us as well, when we come to Jesus, and passionate followers of Jesus, they start giving their life away. They start giving their time away. They start giving their talent away. They start giving their treasure away. And, and we give and we, we give to the church. So we talked about earlier in the Brandon and, and, and Christy, and not because we have to, not because it's a tithe or 10%. It's to be out of response like Zacchaeus. God, you saved me. You've set me up for eternity. I'm going to live with you forever because of what you did for me on the cross. I can't earn it. There's nothing I can do, but I'll tell you, I'm so grateful. What can I do? I want to give my life to you. I want to give my time, my talent, my treasure. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. And then he tells in one sentence his whole purpose for coming. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus stated clearly his passion and his purpose was people. His passion and his purpose was you. His passion and his purpose was me. And his passion and his purpose was most importantly, because we've all been in this boat at some, time, at some time or shape or another, his greatest passion were those who are far from him, those who are far from church, far from God, those who don't want anything to do with him. God has a passion. He's not willing that any should perish. All should come to repentance. We, we, Jesus is the one that said, I didn't come for the healthy. The, it's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick that need a doctor. I've come for the sick, not the healthy. He has a passion for people. Our passion should be the same. So I want to share just some final thoughts before we go this morning. This passage left me with some questions and some things to ponder. And I just maybe want you to go away pondering some of these same things. The first is this, when Jesus was on earth in the flesh, he sought out lost people. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Then when he left and he ascended to the Father at Pente after Pentecost and at, at 50 days, today, today, the way it works, the Holy Spirit through the church is searching for lost people. God gave us his Holy Spirit. When he went to the Father, he gave us his Holy Spirit. And through the church, and that's not a building, the church is a people gathered around the name of Jesus Christ. He now sends his people. He sends us. There is no plan B. There's no plan C. We are the plan A. God chose us through the partnership with the Holy Spirit to search for lost people as he did. Second thing I was thinking is, who told Zacchaeus about Jesus? Did he read about it in the Jerusalem Daily? Did he see it on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat? Where did he hear that Jesus was going to be there? How did he hear about it? Did just word spread or 
We don't know, but one thing I've been wondering is I wonder if there was another tax collector who made it into the inner circle of Jesus, who the rest of the disciples were saying, hey, you belong, you belong. Jesus, what are you doing here? (laughs) He's a tax collector. He doesn't belong with us. But Jesus invited Matthew, and of course, Matthew wrote one of the four gospels that it's named after. I just wonder sometimes if maybe if Matthew might have been a subordinate of the chief tax collector. I wonder if he might have shared what Jesus had done for him. We don't know, but it sure makes me wonder. Here's here's a thought. Zacchaeus, when his day began, he had no clue how it was going to end. He just thought he was going to go get a glimpse of a celebrity, Jesus, and he didn't realize he was going to walk away with a personal Savior and a personal friendship with him. And the same is true for us. What a, what, what, when a day begins, you never know how it will end. So with some of those thoughts in mind today, I want to give three challenges to us today. The first one is this. Be in church next Sunday. It's going to be a great day. You don't want to miss it. If you're in town, if you're anywhere close, you're going to be here next Sunday. Uh, I want to talk to those directly and look in the camera for those who are online. And I want to encourage you to be here next Sunday. And I know some of you, um, physical limitations, uh, there's things, there's setbacks or whatever you can. I'm so thankful that we can connect with you. But there's something about being in the room. There's something about connecting with the body of Christ. There's something about being together that helps us grow and spur us on. And yes, we can read our Bibles alone. And yes, we can pray alone. And yes, we can seek God in our own hearts in our own way. But Christ died for the church. And the church is not a building and it's not a TV. It's a a people. It's a gathering of people where two or three are gathered in his name. That's the church. We are the church. When we leave this building, the church has left the building. So I want to invite you, if you're physically able and you're in town, I want to encourage you, maybe it's been a while, I want to encourage you, come back next Easter. Now, I know it doesn't make you a Christian being in church. You can be a Christian, you can be in a church all your life and not be a follower of Jesus Christ. I, I like what Tony Evans says. Tony says, I hear people say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, and they are absolutely right. Salvation is through faith alone in Christ alone. But you don't have to go home to be married, but stay away long enough and your relationship will be affected. There's just something about the church and coming together and growing together as a body, as a people of God. Second challenge is this, bring someone with you. Don't come alone. Easter and Christmas Eve are the two days of the year that people are most open to an invitation. They're open other days too, but Christmas and Easter, it's like part of their traditions. They're looking for a church. They're looking for a place. It's, it's one of the best days that you can step out, even if you're a little bit more timid, step out and ask someone to come to church. I had no idea. And, and, and bring someone with you. Invite someone to church next Sunday. You never know if at, that, at the end of the day, someone's life will be changed completely. I didn't know that my life was going to be changed completely. And I can tell you there's a man by the name of Eric Eli in Oregon, who today has no idea that he's been the focal point of the illustrations this morning. He has no idea the impact he had on a little fourth grade little boy. We never know the impact of our words, uh, of the things that we, our actions, the things that we do. Uh, Just this last week, I was talking with someone that was rather new to our church, an older gentleman. And I said, um, 
I'll usually ask this question of someone new. How'd you hear about us? Um, or what, what brought you here today? That's kind of a standard question. And I asked him that. It was the middle of the week this week. I asked him that question. And he said, oh, I was neighbors with Bones and Noreen. Pastor Bones and Noreen. If you're new to us today, Pastor Bones died a couple years ago, 91 years old. Um, he was pastor on staff here of our senior adults and calling pastor. He'd talk about a man that's passionate. He was passionate for Jesus and he was passionate for people. He could have been at the top of that list. First time this man came was at Noreen's uh, funeral here. First time he came to the church. And now he's slowly become a part of it. He's become a part of our church and body. You never know what that invitation, where it will lead to. And the last challenge I have for you to, before the, the next, but before the next, last challenge actually, next week we're starting a brand new series. It's an eight-week series on hope. And who doesn't need some more hope? Even if you have a little bit, who couldn't use some more of it? Who, who doesn't have much today could use a little bit of it? Who knows when you get a little bit of hope, anything becomes possible. And who doesn't know some people in our lives right now that need hope? And we need hope. So the next eight weeks, we're going to go into this hope series. Next week's the greatest hope of all. It's the, it's the hope of the resurrection. And because of the hope of the resurrection, you may be in the impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And he can help you through whatever challenge. It doesn't always turn out well, but God will be with you. And when God is with you, anything's possible. Three, the third challenge today is, I just challenge every week. Maybe today's your day to give your life to Jesus. Maybe it's the day of salvation for you. Maybe like Zacchaeus, Jesus is coming to your home right now. He's coming to your heart. Do you know that um, uh, Zacchaeus was the only person that we can find in the scriptures that Jesus invited himself to his home? He was in other homes of other sinners, but maybe someone will correct me after the service, but Jesus, uh, Zacchaeus was the only one that Jesus invited himself and he came to his doorstep and he went in. And in the same way today, I wonder if Jesus was thinking of Zacchaeus when he said these words to John the Revelator in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. When he said, here I am, Jesus said these words, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him, with that person, and they with me. He'll come in and have a relationship. That's what it means. To eat with someone is to have a relationship. And I just believe that Jesus is knocking on the door of someone's heart today. He's knocking on your heart. He's a gentleman. He's not going to force the door down. You have to invite him in. You have to receive him as your Lord and Savior. And this isn't a thing of you got to be perfect and then come to Jesus. Zacchaeus was far, far from God. But he, Jesus started where he was at. And then he moved in his life. Jesus will start wherever you are. But you have to give him the keys to your heart. You have to open the door to let him in. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed as we close out this service this morning, there's no one looking around, just you and God and me. Today, Jesus is knocking on your heart. Would you let him in? Would you receive him? Would, would you do so by just, I won't call you out, I won't embarrass you. 
you just raise your hand. I just want to pray with you. We want to pray together. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. I see you. Is there more hands this morning? Thank you. Thank you. You're asking Jesus to come into your life and, and to be your Lord and Savior. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. God's working today. God's working today. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. We're going to pray a prayer. And those of you that raised your hand, you're not going to pray this alone. We're going to pray this together. But we're going to pray for you to receive Jesus Christ into your heart and in your life as Lord and Savior. And then start that journey. Come back next Sunday and just keep going on this journey that God has you on. Would you just pray this prayer with me? One, I'll just say a few words and you'll repeat after me. Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. That he gave his life to forgive my sins and was raised from the grave to give me life. I receive your grace by faith. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen and amen. God bless you, Pastor Brandon.